Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan football survived a scare at Maryland to remain undefeated and set up a colossal clash with Ohio State. How did the Wolverines pull it out? And what do they need to do to beat the Buckeyes? That and more coming up on Wolverine Confidential. Okay, guys, good to be with you here Sunday night, uh, November 19th. And man, we talk about sometimes, you know, a little energy is lacking on the podcast with these Sunday night recordings. Not not for me, not tonight. Like I'm fired up. This is going to be just such a huge game. I love being at, you know, the biggest game happening that day. And, you know, it's often Michigan, Ohio State. You can say it always is, but but no, the stakes have just been so high these last couple of years and feels just even heightened this year. Uh, you know, with both teams undefeated, you know, ranked uh, two, three in the AP poll, probably two, three in the playoff rankings and, you know, just so much on the line again. And we'll get into that, you know, at the end of this podcast. And of course, uh, you know, in another game specific podcast later this week. But let's start by rewinding to even before Michigan's 31-24 win over Maryland. We recorded a podcast on Thursday morning. Very shortly after news broke that Michigan was dropping its 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 case, they were no longer going to take the Big Ten to court. And then we learned that Chris Partridge had been fired, the linebacker coach, in his first year of his second stint with the program. I got a text kind of right after that news started breaking, like, hope you guys didn't record yet uh, from a listener. <laughs> I was like, nope, we did. We did. <laughs> you know, a lot of the things we talked about were still relevant. But, you know, any any talk about, you know, what would happen in court was not. Uh, yeah, those things are connected. Yes, Michigan deciding they're no longer going to that we're no longer going to fight Jim Harbaugh's suspension and the firing of Chris Partridge. Yes. Yeah, it, they're linked. And, and it's point to point out. It's hard to record anything these days, like waiting for anything because it's I'm losing track of days like I don't know what day is what. I don't know when when what occurred. That's where we're at at this point in this situation. Um, nonetheless, yes, late last week, lawyers representing Michigan's border regions and Jim Harbaugh withdrew their legal filing in Washtenaw County Court. Um, and because we were all expecting, right, we were expecting a court filing or a court hearing Friday morning. Uh, Michigan had, had sought an injunction to get Harbaugh back on the field. Michigan pulled back. Now, Thursday night when that happened, or Thursday afternoon, I guess you should clarify, we weren't exactly sure why. Um, there had been rumors, you know, throughout the week that maybe they're the Big Ten and Michigan, we're going to come to some sort of deal to to avoid the whole court thing. Because remember, if this thing had gone to court Friday morning, it would have been just a bigger circus than the situation's been. I mean, you you could count there were like ten or fifteen media outlets that were expecting to be there. The the judge had told media outlets you couldn't bring cameras in, um, so it would have been it would have been probably a mess. You would probably would have more details come out from both parties that they would have would have not liked. Um, but yeah, and then Friday morning happens and. We find out Chris Partridge had been abruptly fired. Um, my understanding of the situation is that Michigan was presented some information from the NCAA earlier in the last week, um, linking Partridge to uh, some type of involvement in this case. Not necessarily knowledge or knowing the Counter Stallion's actions, but more so after the fact. 
um, maybe potentially directing players not to speak to NCAA investigators, not to cooperate, things of that nature. And uh, it got back to the NCAA. It got back to Michigan. And once they found that out, the move was um, was made to fire him. Um, I'm told by a couple of folks that players were interviewed last week. A, a certain small number of players were interviewed last week by the NCAA. Um, and that directly went back to Partridge. So we're going to find out maybe later on what exactly happened here. But it sounds it sounds like he was telling folks to be quiet, not to talk, et cetera, et cetera. And that ended up being his downfall here. Yeah, man, that, that Thursday news that the Michigan and Harbaugh were dropping the, the court case is like, man, that that's exactly what this saga needed is is Jim Harbaugh in court and playing his role of 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 court Mr. Lawyer and, and stuff like that. But um the the fact that this other news came out and now there's potentially an Uncle T booster that's involved. I mean, it's just it keeps Forgot getting about weirder that too, weirder. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just getting weirder and weirder by, by the hour. And it's like, man, like it, it it's just nonstop and, and really at this point no one knows what where this is going to turn next but i mean it still seems like at least on the field michigan will have a chance to accomplish all their goals this season but man like it, it we might have seen some uh off the field effects um or some of this affecting the team on the field on on saturday we should point out to the uncle t reference um there have been some names linked to that that title um some media outlets yahoo and others have, have actually reached out to someone who they thought was uncle t uh tim smith involved with the champion circle uh nil uh club and d- donor to michigan he is denied being uncle t he has denied funding connor stallion that believe he told yahoo that he believed he was told that connor funded it all by himself so i don't know where that's going to go but it sounds like the ncaa has some type of linkage evidence showing this quote-unquote uncle t booster at least paying some of it some of this the sign stealing scheme um, we'll see if it ends up anywhere, but it sounds like the, uh, the, the, from what I've gathered the last few days, the NCAA has more on Michigan than maybe they think they did. And that's part of the reason, again, it goes back to Thursday, why Michigan ended up ultimately withdrawing that legal filing. You would think if you're uncle T, you would know you're uncle T. I mean, you're called that. He says he's never been called that by anyone. So I probably not him, I guess. I mean, does it doesn't really matter who it is. We know probably someone was funding this because given Connor Stallion's salary, uh, and, you know, it's just, again, it speaks to Michigan sort of just the way they handled this from the start. Not ideal. Every single program in the major program in the country, especially in the SEC, has an Uncle T, probably a lot of them. And you know what they're doing? They're buying players. That's how they're spending the money. They're not doing this nonsense. And, and people have been saying that, well, well, Connor Stallion sold this house and gained a huge profit. So he's funding this all by himself. I'm like, if he's funding this all by himself like that who would be paying more money at their job than you're getting from your actual job like it, it would make no sense to be have your expenses higher than your your actual salary no matter how much you care about a team or a program that just wouldn't make much sense to me but yeah i'm gonna say this everything we've heard, learned and read and found out about Connor stance i'm not ready to rule out anything let's put it that way <laughs> yes uh, right. So Michigan knew by the time, you know, it, it traveled to College Park, Maryland, that it would not have Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines and it won't next week against Ohio State either. Uh, so it was Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator, uh, again, as the acting head coach and Michigan found itself in a battle 
for the first time all season, in a sense. The week before at Penn State, they were tested, but we talked about it on this podcast. None of us really ever felt like Michigan was going to lose. I'll admit I never felt that way against Maryland either because it was always, you know, you, you just have so much faith in this Michigan defense. But the fact is Maryland did have the ball, you know, multiple times for the chance for a touchdown to give them the lead late. Penn State never had that chance. Uh, now, you know, one of us on this podcast predicted that this game would be would be close. Uh, and, and that was me. I've just become a Big Ten uh, guru and a Michigan football expert here. Uh, and, and yes, it was, uh, you know, for for a variety of reasons. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, not sharp at all, finishes 12 of 23 passing. Michigan under 300 yards total. You know, they hadn't committed a, a they committed one turnover in Big Ten play. Uh, and that was in uh, that was on special teams. Um, and, you know, they had another one uh, with an interception from McCarthy on Saturday and, and could have had more. I mean, they had a fumble that they were lucky, lucky to recover. McCarthy threw, you know, several other very dangerous passes. But the defense. Uh, the special team steps up. They get a you know fumble and and recovery for a touchdown, scoop and score. They get two safeties. That's 18 points from uh you know the defense and special teams right there, which obviously couldn't be more critical in a seven point game. Yeah, special teams and, and the defense are the reason why Michigan won this game. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, you know they the defense came in clutch when they needed it to. They made some big plays, uh, and it was from multiple different people too. As we've kind of talked about all season long, it really, there really hasn't been one or two guys. It's it's really been everyone. And and then yeah, special teams. I mean, I feel like we've kind of glossed all, over them all season long. Haven't been kind of hesitant to touch on them just because they they, they aren't they don't have the stars that maybe they had last year. But they they really came up cl- clutch uh, on, on Saturday as well. So. The big plays came from areas maybe you didn't necessarily expect. I think a lot of us expected Michigan's offense to kind of steamroll and put up a lot of points and 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 look good. And it was just the opposite Saturday. I didn't think they looked particularly sharp. JJ McCarthy did not play well. Blake Corn had a good game. Uh, the running game got going at times, but it, again, it wasn't anything they could leave their hats on. So it was, I don't know. It was a weird game. Like there was a lot going on. Um, and you mentioned the the test thing and. You know, I, I can say going in the fourth quarter, I mean, at least you know, from my perspective, it, it, it Michigan never felt like they were able to put that game away, despite being up twenty-three to three there in the second quarter. You just you got the sense that Maryland, you know, they're able to move the football. They they were able to score at times, and you just I don't know, they hung around and it, it got weird. And luckily for Michigan, they were able to pull it out at the end. The defense came up big, a couple, you know, a bunch of big stops, but gosh, I don't know. It was just it was a bizarre game in my mind. Tommy Doman, player of the game, baby. I mean, that that punt at the one yard line was mm-hmm. was just incredible. How it just kind of stopped on a dime there and spun back. And is uh, was it was it Gus that was a put some English on it? <laughs> and it looked like a Ryan Zook, you know, sixty degree wedge. That thing was unbelievable. Two <laughs> different times it hit the ground without you know moving forward. For sure, for sure. I want to I want to ask you guys your on your thoughts on the intentional drowning call. When when I first watched it, I'm like. Oh, I mean, there, there's a, a guy in the area that's just an incomplete pass. And then, like, I don't know. I, I, that's, I think that's a pretty gutsy call by the refs to call that in, in that situation. But it, it definitely worked out for Michigan. I see that called, not called, more often than called. Mm-hmm. But I think it was. I mean, there was no one near that. It's clear what the intent was, was throwing it away. It barely got to the line of scrimmage, honestly. Uh, and And, yeah, I mean, there was a guy in the – camera shot usually for intentional grounding there's got to be there's usually not even anyone there uh so i don't know i'm i'm under the belief that it should be called more than it is but you know typically 
I feel like that is not called much like I feel like the two targetings that they overturned are called. Yeah. I, I agree with Andrew. Yeah. This, this potential grounding is so subjective. Sometimes you see it called when it shouldn't be, you see it called maybe when it, when it, when it, when it, you know, shouldn't be, it should be. So I, I don't know. It, it looked like it, you know, from where I was, my vantage point, but I will point out where we were sitting in the press box is almost the opposite side of the field. So it was, it was really difficult to see like live. You had, I almost had to watch the replay to get a better, better vantage point of it. Michigan had a stretch in this game. It was a minute and 47 seconds of game time, less than two minutes where they scored an offensive touchdown, a defensive touchdown, and then got points from special teams on a safety. Uh, it was just an incredible stretch there to end the first quarter, um, you know, and build their lead. They ended up going up a uh, 23 to three, uh, uh, you know, midway through the second quarter. And you kind of thought, um, you know, that Michigan might pull away, but Maryland gets a touchdown. And then that's when JJ McCarthy throws the, awful interception there late in the first half to you know prevent Michigan from putting points on the board and Maryland you know hangs around uh but that yeah there are so many big plays in this game the the Doman punt um you know because that was after you know Michigan got an interception had great field position ended up going backwards and having to you know punt from from midfield um yeah they we we uh, they get another interception by Mike, Mikey Sainer still just unbelievable, you know, play Jim Harbaugh said all year long, like when you need a big play, he's the guy. And, and, and he, he was there again. Uh, you know, we mentioned the, the, the scoop and score. Um, yeah, there's just, there's just so many key plays in this game, but it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. I mean, like we said, the, the passing game just wasn't quite there and the offense just wasn't, wasn't as good as you might have thought, given you know what Maryland's defense had looked like this year. Any any kind of reason you can put your finger on uh, on that, either of you guys? Well, I, I will say this: it was clear as day, you know, before the game. JJ McCarthy was hobbling. You know, he was not one hundred percent. You know, his leg was clearly bothering him, and I think you saw it play out during the game, where they, I mean, they just didn't try and run the ball with him a ton. Uh, and then I, I think it maybe creeped into some of his decision making and some of his throws too. So that's certainly something to watch. I mean, I, I don't anticipate him, you know, not playing against Ohio State. That's just not going to happen. Um, if he can stand upright and throw the football, he's certainly going to play. But you know, Sheryl Moore was asked about it after the game. You know, he didn't want to talk about it too much. He said he's fine. Um, but it, it's clear. I think the last couple of weeks, JJ hasn't been a hundred percent really. Uh, so I, I think that plays into it. I, I do think with. Sharon as head coach, he seems almost like destined to want to run the football. I think he's out there maybe in a way trying to prove a point with, with the run game. Uh, and, it, you know, it's, it obviously worked last week against Penn State, and it worked a little bit too against Maryland. But I do think, you know, come Saturday against the Buckeyes, there's going to be a little – needs to be a little more creativity uh, with the offense. And, look, they I think they showed on Saturday they could do it when they, when they needed to. Um, but, man, it just – I don't know. It seemed like they're out of sync most of the game. Um, you know, and, and look, if you can go back to last week against Penn State, I didn't think the offense was, you know, particularly great either, especially from like just like a, I don't know, it's like a schematic standpoint. It just it almost seems like I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it's it just all over the place. Uh, so and I think that's part of Sharon. I, I do think he's still kind of learning on the job, so to speak. You got to remember, too, like he's juggling like three different jobs, apparently. Right. He's the head coach. He's also calling the plays in the offense and he's still trying to manage the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, he's got some help, but that's, that's a lot on your plate. If you remember last year though, I mean, that was a, a major critique of the offense too, a little bit is they, they didn't have much creativity and then they head into the Ohio state game and do uh, the, the Kalel Mullings pop pass to do some other um, creative plays as well. So I, I think they are going to open up the playbook against Ohio state, but yeah, you're right. I mean, as far as JJ McCarthy is concerned, no touchdown passes in three straight games and, and, and doesn't look like himself. And that's, that's going to need to change against Ohio State. 
Yeah, Joel Klatt said at one point, you know, that he wasn't 100%, and it was kind of a interesting comment. My wife was like, does he mean he's sick? Because it was just kind of strange the way he dropped it, and I always assumed it was the ankle that we saw kind of get tweaked against Penn State. He was hobbling after a play in that game after getting tackled, uh, and, you know, the fact that he, he didn't really run the ball in this game, I think, speaks to that. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's obviously just a regular week here. There's no extra time before before this biggest game of the year. So, you know, I, obviously something to monitor, but we'll see. Uh, Sharon, more interesting point, you know, from you guys. I, I had a friend text me, you know, what about making Mike Hart, you know, the acting head coach and, and letting Sharon focus on play calling? You know, because the running backs, they're an experienced group that probably don't need as much coaching. Uh, you know, as as maybe the offensive line, I know they're experienced too, but still they've been shuffling pieces there and, and he's the play caller. Mike Hart is not. Uh, Michigan's not going to do that. I can tell you that they're not going to make a change at this point. Um, there's plenty of head coaches that also call plays, but most of them are not, you know, thrust into that role here, uh, you know, with the biggest games of the year. So uh, I think you're seeing that it's relevant that Jim Harbaugh was suspended. I'm also not convinced that the game would have been much different if he was on the sidelines. I think, you know, it's just hard to beat every single Big Ten team by 30 plus points. And Michigan was due for a letdown, even if they weren't overlooking Maryland. Uh, you know, so it was a Maryland team that it was their Super Bowl. They were they were very fired up after, you know, finally getting a win. They had some confidence going into this game. Uh, and, you know, yeah, they got Big Ten scholarship players, too. And you kind of saw you kind of saw the result. But this was. These were these were nerve wracking moments. What was kind of the uh, post game press conference vibe, Aaron, from from these Wolverines after kind of surviving and, and knowing what's next? Yeah, they were relieved. I think they're happy to get out of there with a win. Um, you could tell that you know it was a very it been a very emotional like seventy two hours up until that game, given you know all the court stuff and then Partridge getting fired and um, it, it was obviously very odd. You had several Michigan players that were kind of returning home. Uh, I don't know if you guys could tell on television, but there was a, and it, it's usually the case with with throw games at Maryland, but there was a sizable Michigan, you know, contingent there in the in the crowd. So Blake Corum said he had like seventy five friends and family members at, at a pregame tailgate with his dad. So um, I, I think there there was a lot of distractions going on. Not that there haven't been the last couple of weeks, but there's just so much going on. Michigan was a twenty point favorite going in. I think there was that expectation that. You know they were they're expected to win, and obviously they didn't necessarily need to win the game, but they obviously wanted to. So it just it was just it's kind of a, a, a you know weird thing. And then you know you had linebackers coming in. Uh, Mike Barrett came in with his with his um, left shoulder on ice. You know he he blatantly bluntly told us, yeah, he had AC joint sprain in his shoulder. He said it'll be okay, but. Um, I don't know. And not only that, but Sharon actually addressed you know, injuries after the game, something Jim Harbaugh typically doesn't do. So it was a it was a, a very different uh, Michigan postgame press conference than, than we've become accustomed to in the past. I think it was good for this this defense, though, to kind of face a passing attack that's kind of legitimate before Ohio State, too, because they hadn't really done that through the first 10 games. And, you know, when you're going against Ohio State, you're going to face talented receivers. And, yeah, Michigan's DBs got burned a little bit on, on Saturday and, and didn't and it didn't look good at times. So, I mean, maybe they'll be able to clean, clean some things up. And, and um, but yeah, it'll, it'll be a challenge against the Buckeyes and Marvin Harrison and some of the other guys. But yeah, that 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 to me, defensively, the the interior of the D line was was really solid. Linebackers were, were decent, but some of the corners, besides Mikey Sanders, still a little shaky at, at, against some of these Maryland uh, wideouts. Yeah, Aaron, I'm glad you mentioned the, the injury stuff because 
we, we talked about J.J. McCarthy, but, you know, the Darius Henderson ruled out before the game. Miles Hinton comes in and gets hurt. Uh, Roman Wilson early in this game takes a shot on a, you know, to the helmet, ends up coming out of the game. He's on the sideline in, in street clothes and, and pretty dark, large sunglasses. Now, the kids today, that might just be the style, but it almost seemed like they were like, you know, kind of, I've got a headache glasses, you know, I, I don't know. I, I imagine he wouldn't have been on the sideline if, if it was that bad, but uh, yeah. What is the status of, of any of these guys? It's, it's after being so, so healthy this year, um, you know, this is obviously the worst time to, to face some injuries. Um, they do have depth along the offensive line, but uh, yeah, kind of what's, what's, what's the status of, of those guys coming out of the game? Uh, on Roman first, I wouldn't read too much in the sunglasses. He tends to wear those a lot. That's like his thing. Yeah. Now, I'm not to say that that maybe they didn't tell him to do that based on what happened with that hit. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think that he's going to be a, probably a, 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 you know a, a game time decision next week based on what happened. I, I suspect there's probably concerns about a concussion. I don't know if he was diagnosed with one, uh, but nonetheless, he was taken out of the game out of precaution. Uh, Ladarius Henderson sounded like it was more of a precautionary deal. Uh, Sherman Moore didn't disclose what the actual injury was, but he said he's going to be available next week. So expect to have him back. Um, Miles Hinton is another question mark. He had a knee injury, uh, taken out of the game, didn't never returned. I don't know what his status is going to be. So those are kind of the three pay attention to pay attention to this week. Um, I'd, I'd say Ladarius is certainly more, more likely to play than Miles is. And then, and then, you know, Roman's a big question mark, especially if he was diagnosed with a concussion. Though sometimes it'll take you know a while to get back. You guys pay attention even you know better than I do as far as some of these non-skill position players. Michigan's been pushing all year. They have seven starters on the offensive line. They've got guys that can play different spots. They can mix and match. It doesn't really matter. There's also the school of thought that the five guys are the five starters for a reason. They're at their specific spots for a reason, and shuffling around whether it be with different guys or different positions at this point is not ideal. How big a deal would it be if there's, you know, changes uh, against Ohio state compared to what we saw for, you know, the first 10 games of this season? Yeah. You nail it, right? There's like two schools of thought here. If you can, the more shuffling you can do, the more combinations you can use, maybe the, the more things you can do offensively, maybe you can take, move a defense, get a, a, you know, defense off track. You can do different stuff. But you're right. I think there's there's something to the idea of building continuity and knowing who's playing next to you and being comfortable with them and and filling you know filling in the gaps when when you're the guy next to you maybe screws up or or has a missed assignment. So I do think that plays a factor. It also I think is going to matter what Michigan wants to do right offensively. Uh, you know, is it going to be a run heavy scheme? Are they going to throw the ball more? I, I I tend to lean toward this offensive line based on what we've seen so far. They've done a much better job of pass protection overall this year than they have it with the run. So it's going to depend on how Michigan wants to play the game on Saturday. Will it make a difference? It could, um, especially if these guys, especially if these, you know, some of these guys are less starters are less than hundred percent. So I think it can make a difference. It might make a difference. And especially when you're going up against Ohio state, as we've seen the last couple of years, Michigan's really dominated the line of scrimmage. That's something they've really prided themselves on. It's one of the reasons why they've ended up winning both of these games by comfortable margins. So it, it certainly could make a difference. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if, if it does. Um, I think they're going to need as many bodies as they can, especially if some of these guys are playing at less than 100%. Yeah, and especially if injuries happen mid-game or late in the week where you don't have as much time to prepare, I think that's where it, it really makes a difference. And, I mean, we talked to Ladarius on Tuesday, too, so and he seemed fine. So that makes me think that at least there was a couple practices where he was in there with the starter. So 
Uh, I thought Miles played well when he was in there before he got hurt too. But yeah, when when you're down two offensive linemen and you're shifting guys over, and I mean, yeah, Trente has Jones has experience starting. Carson Barnhart has experience starting at multiple positions. But you want your your best five guys in in the biggest game of the year, and and it's just natural to be a drop off if if it's not those five guys. Well, and this, of course, all leads up to Michigan, Ohio State uh, next Saturday at Michigan Stadium, noon Eastern time. Fox going to broadcast it. They'll have their pregame show there. ESPN College Game Day will be there as well. Uh, again, had a friend say send them to Briarwood Mall with the way that uh, ESPN has been covering uh, Michigan and their scandal so far, giving them no, you know, uh, preferential access uh but yeah i think i think most of our listeners know know the backstory here you know it had been 10 years since michigan beat ohio state before they they broke through and did it in 2021 uh in emphatic fashion and then went to uh the shoe last year and and beat them even worse 45 23 uh they did it with a lot of long runs but a lot of long passes too just big play after big play from the offense and you know slowed down a a very good ohio state offense really Ohio State offense that has, you know, an NFL rookie quarterback that's doing some pretty good things. Uh, this Ohio State offense does not seem um, as as potent as 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 those, but they're 11 and 0. Uh, they're going to be probably ranked higher than Michigan, like I said, in both polls. Uh, but Michigan is right now like a five point favorite, something like that, entering this game. Um, yeah, I guess kind of just early thoughts on on yeah, just the the stakes of this game and the excitement level and. Uh, what Michigan will need to do to win. It's another winner-take-all situation, right? The winner of this game is going to get a trip to, to Indianapolis to play for the Big Ten Championship, will likely end up being the Big Ten champion, and walk the way into the play. Likely. <laughs> well, I got uh, I to got, I hedge myself here. You never know. All right. and, and they will be a lock to get in the playoff. The loser is going to need a lot of help from elsewhere. You know, that's the problem with the, the playoff situation right now. You've got the top five teams are unbeaten. Uh, there's only four spots to get in, so it's you really need to win Saturday. If you don't, it, it, it you're you're going to be in trouble, especially Michigan. So um, it, it's a, it's a big game. It, it's really been no different for the last couple of years. The Big Ten, the Big Ten is on the line. Uh, a trip to the playoff is on the line, and it, it's it's interesting for this Michigan team too because so many of these guys came back to play another year. They bypassed going to the NFL draft. They came back to, to to play for a national championship, not only to beat Ohio State, not only to win the Big Ten, but to ultimately get that that big prize that they've missed out on the last couple of years. So, it, a win on Saturday would be great. It would, you know, it would be big for the program again. It would put pressure on Ryan Day and Ohio State and everything else. But I don't think it would mean as much as it has the last couple of years, just because the goal this year is so dang high, and a loss would collapse the season right the, the, the it was when this season was blake quorum said it before the season it was natty or bust they lose on saturday it's a bust so and not only that but then you've got everything else going on around the program the off the field stuff so um it's going to be a fascinating scene not only the rivalry but the outside stuff and the ryan day stuff and gosh I, i'm excited for saturday I think there's going to be a chance that we'll be talking about this game for for years after after whatever happens on Saturday. And I don't, you say this this win a win wouldn't mean as much. I, I don't know. Considering that Harbaugh won't be on the sidelines and and this whole sign stealing scandal that has consumed the news for the past month or so, 
I think it would be monumental for, for this program to still come out with a win against the, an Ohio State team that is going to be desperate. I mean, there's those Ryan Day comments after the Notre Dame game. Like, there's just so many storylines heading into this one, and it's a top three matchup that, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's this game has, is just as important as, as the previous two. The winner will play uh, Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, here's the thing. Iowa is, well, you know, I think we know what Iowa is. They're, they lean on their defense, and they, their best player is a punter. Um, and it, it's the game that, you know, uh, so many folks who follow Big Ten football would have liked to see, uh, you know, Michigan, Iowa, if, if that happens with Cade McNamara and Eric all too, of course, both of those guys suffered season ending injuries. So, uh, you know, that storyline's gone. Um, and yeah, the expectation is that whoever wins the East, this is essentially the, the de facto like championship game. Uh, I think it's good at least that neither of those teams has played Iowa. So it's a, it's a, it's a new matchup, much like with, you know, Michigan and Purdue last year. Um, but it's a game that neither team would benefit from. Neither Michigan nor Ohio State need that Big Ten championship to prove anything. It, it can only hurt them. It's why sometimes these conference championship games are a little silly. Uh, but yeah, as far as what Aaron said, the loser possibly getting into the playoff, it happened last year with Ohio State. You know, and they were playing at home. They lost to Michigan at home uh, and and still got in. You know, this year could Ohio State get in if they lose? You know, they they would only have a road loss to a top team. They'd have that win at Notre Dame. Maybe Michigan doesn't have much to fall back on uh, you know with their schedule they got the win at Penn State but that's it neither of them played already like I said you know the clear number one team on the west uh it basically you've got uh by my count five other you got a bunch of other teams you got too many other teams still in the mix obviously Georgia and potentially Alabama you know if they if they beat them in the SEC championship you got Florida State is obviously without their quarterback now but still undefeated you got Washington or Oregon you know if, if one you know Washington stumbles, Oregon could take their spot. You got Texas. So like you've got probably enough teams that it, it would be hard to maybe justify, you know, a one loss big 10 team getting in, uh, which again is not, not something anybody wants to fall back on. You want to, you want to win this game and, and let then, then leave no doubt. Um, and I think Michigan's in as good a place to do it uh, as a, if not a better place in the last two years. I agree with everything you just said. I think a one-loss Ohio State is more likely in the playoff at this point than a one-loss Michigan team, just based on where the, the playoff committee has them ranked. Right. Um, they like Ohio State a lot more than Michigan at this point, um, and, and Michigan need desperately needs this game. Uh, now, a close loss would, certainly wouldn't rule them out, and just like Ohio State, a close loss wouldn't necessarily rule them out. But I, I would rather have one loss going into the Big Ten Championship game and needing that to win than not having the Big Ten Championship game at all. So... Um, I don't know for Michigan, I don't see them moving in the playoff rankings this week. In fact, it wouldn't shock me if they dropped the four just because of Washington, the, the way they won and they beat Oregon state and, the, and their resume at this point. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, Michigan needs to win Saturday. There's no ifs, ands or buts about it. Um, and you know, they're four point favorites. There's the odds makers certainly give them the lean, but we'll, we'll, we'll strap it up and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out Saturday afternoon. I wouldn't say it's our job to, you know, overhype these games, oversell them, you know, but we are trying to generate interest in our, in our coverage. And that was difficult for much of this season. Uh, you had to be creative if you're generating interest as far as drama in what was actually happening on the field. Obviously there's plenty off of it. Uh, none of those issues pop up this week. I mean, that's usually true, but just especially these last couple of years. And, and again, this week, like 
we can't oversell it. We can't overhype it. It's it's as big as it gets, you know, and it's 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 exciting. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. Michigan is is favored. They have not been the last two years. Uh, so maybe it's not the spot you want to be in. Uh, but you know, each team motivation will not be a factor. Michigan will be without Jim Harbaugh. What that would mean for Ryan Day to lose to Michigan a third time with Harbaugh not even on the sideline in this one. Yeah, I, I, I that's not that's not really for us to I guess worry about or discuss at this point. I'm sure we'll get into it in our you know our Ohio State specific uh, podcast. Any any parting words before we uh, sign off here? On that note, I got an email from a reader I think today or yesterday suggesting that the band or some ushers at Michigan Stadium get a bunch of giant Jim Harbaugh cutouts and place them on the Michigan Stadium sideline during the game on Saturday just to like make his presence there because obviously he can't walk in the building, right. but I don't know. I'm looking forward to see what, what creative situation they do. I mean, I mean, this is the first, the first game at home where Jim hasn't been there at least since the, you know, the beginning of the first three games. Oh yeah. The first three games this year. Right. As we said, this game's a little bit bigger. There's more meaning to it. So, and plus you get, again, the rivalry aspect and everything else. So I don't know. I'm looking forward to see what, if anything, Michigan decides to do on Saturday. Should be a doozy. We'll have, plenty of uh coverage on mlive.com slash wolverines uh leading up to the game and, and another podcast as well focusing specifically on the matchup with the buckeyes it's michigan ohio state this saturday at noon at michigan stadium thanks for listening <laughs>